Pro fans all over the world, we welcome you to the Pro Fan Arena where prolific sports fandom, a desire for wisdom in life and work, for the purpose of glorifying God through our gifts and talents, all rumble together. Thank you for joining us. Now introducing your starting lineup. Standing five feet nine from the University of Take Responsibility, playing the position of Chief Encourager, your host, the founder of Pro Fan League, the Pro Fan, Bradley Gibbs! Welcome into the Pro Fan League arena. Let's get it, Lancaster Thunder. I am confident that this is going to be a day full of opportunity to make an impact. Go make plays. My name is Brad Gibbs, the founder of Pro Fan League. Thanks for joining us today. This is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Jesus Christ is alive. He has conquered sin and death, and that makes this a great day. Now, lace up your Under Armour Project Rock Deltas. And let's talk sports. We're going to start a, a little mini-series on winning this week. First, today is going to be winning requires discernment. And then we're going to talk on Friday about winning requires communication. This has been inspired by an article that was put out on ESPN last week about Nick Saban where they interviewed 11 of his assistant coaches from over the years and asked them what they felt like made Nick Saban the winning coach that he was. I spent some time going through this article and I wanted to dissect it and draw out some points for the Pro Fan League community and Team Lancaster Thunder. We needed to strike while the iron is hot. Before we know it, Nick Saban's retirement will be old news. The topic will be cold. He will be a a memory, a distant memory in the college football landscape. Forever recognized as probably the greatest head coach in college football history. So, we're going to jump in and we're going to look at some of these we're going to look at some of these testimonials as to what made him great and see what we can learn. The first story that I thought was really interesting about Nick Saban is back from 2016. Lane Kiffin was Nick Saban's offensive coordinator back then and Lane Kiffin has an interesting career arc. Uh, He's kind of a fiery guy, not shy about telling people what he feels, a little bit of a volatile personality. So he's Nick Saban's offensive coordinator, and he came to Nick Saban from a really uh, rough place in his coaching career, from Lane Kiffin's coaching career. He was on the outs, and Nick Saban brought him in. He uh, Lane Kiffin is known as a very brilliant offensive mind. He's currently the head coach at Ole Miss. But in 2016, he's offensive coordinator for Alabama. Alabama has made the national championship. Lane Kiffin received a head coaching position 
and Nick Saban told him that he would not coach the national championship as the offensive coordinator for Alabama because he was not fully invested in his duties. So this is our first example of discernment from Nick Saban. And I am talking about discernment and communication because I gleaned from this article that the two big characteristics of Nick Saban that have set him up to succeed in the way he did is discernment and his ability to communicate what he has discerned and get people on the same page. So we're going to take discernment first today. And this is a great real-life example of discernment. Lane Kiffin is a talented offensive coordinator. They have gone to the national championship. They're preparing for that game. You generally have about three and a half weeks to prepare for the national championship. And Nick Saban is realizing that Lane Kiffin's mind is not with the team. He had taken a head coaching job somewhere else. And he felt that Lane Kiffin's mind was not on the task at hand, but on his future. So he goes to Lane Kiffin proactively and says, you're not coaching the national championship. I'm sure you can imagine for Lane Kiffin that was not received well in the moment. But now as he looks back, he appreciates Nick Saban doing that. And Nick Saban and Alabama won that national championship. And it was because Lane Kiffin, well, it wasn't just because of this situation, but a part of it was Nick Saban recognized that Lane Kiffin's disposition in a very vital role was not setting the team up for success. So he made the difficult and hard decision to remove his offensive coordinator two weeks before the national championship. Turned the play calling over to Steve Sarkeesian. And Alabama rolls to a victory. This is not an easy decision for Nick Saban to make. Socially, I'm sure he knew it was going to be awkward. But he discerned something. What is discernment? The definition that I found, and I don't know that I found a definition that I really loved, but the definition I found was the ability to make a judgment about something or about the quality of something. So it would seem that there's some options. Say you're choosing between various levels of or various degrees of a quality of some sort of product. You're buying a car, for example, and there's all these different types, and you're trying to figure out which one suits your needs and goals best. You're discerning. You're trying to discern what would be the best fit in the context of a situation. I'm going to apply my own definition to this, And I'm going to define discernment as knowing the heartbeat of a situation. So the heartbeat is something that gives life to a human being or an animal. The heart 
is what is pumping the blood through a body, the heart is vitally important. I believe that discernment is being able to find the heartbeat in every situation and to apply your energies to the heartbeat of the situation. Oftentimes, we can treat or address the peripherals of a situation without actually getting to the heartbeat, into the lifeblood of the situation. What is actually fueling the situation, both good or bad? And then addressing those topics. Nick Saban, in this Lane Kiffin example saw that one of the heartbeats of them winning a national championship was addressing this offensive coordinator situation. He knew that Lane Kiffin was not 100% committed to Alabama anymore. He knew that this was a heartbeat situation in his program and he had to, to act. And he did. He didn't wait around. He didn't shy away. He handled it. And he handled it in enough time that his team could still be prepared and ready for the game. He didn't waffle back and forth for weeks and months and then 30 seconds before the game decide, Lane Kiffin's got to go. No, he knew what he needed to do and he took care of it with enough time to prepare his team. Winning requires discernment. Winning requires the ability to identify the heartbeat of a situation and address it proactively and timely. This is something that I believe humans have been gifted to do, to have discernment. But Once you discern something, it can be very scary and intimidating to actually address it. There has to be an element of courage. Or, is it easy to ignore what you've discerned? Kirby Smart says this about Nick Saban. Kirby Smart is currently the coach at the University of Georgia. Probably the preeminent football program in the country right now, though they didn't win the national championship, Michigan. We respect the natty. But Georgia is coming off a ridiculous run over the last few years. Kirby Smart said this, His ability to manage and motivate people was unlike anything I've seen, and I mean everybody in the organization. Nick Saban paid attention to everybody in the organization. He was a busy man, but he spent the time to understand the needs of all of the people wearing an Alabama shirt down to the training room. And there are testimonies of Nick Saban having conversations And discerning the heartbeat of situations at every level of the Alabama football program. And the university to some degree. He is 
really, really good at understanding people. Mario Cristobal, an assistant, says, One of the greatest things you learn from Nick Saban is that he has a relentless attack on human nature. So, I do not know what Nick Saban believes spiritually. But what I do know about Nick Saban is he believes that humans, by default, are more prone to failure than success. He talks about the standard and how it's human nature to fall below the standard. So, he doesn't speak about it in biblical terms, but he's basically saying that humans will fail. That's a biblical idea. What this man is saying, Mario Cristobal, is that part of the reason Alabama football has been as successful as it is is because Nick Saban built the program to prevent against a biblical idea that humans fail. See, the Bible is the source of all wisdom. Nick Saban built an Alabama winner off a biblical idea. Now, he doesn't talk about it as a biblical idea. His assistants don't talk about it as a biblical idea. They talk about it as a relentless attack on human nature and humans by default being more prone to fail than succeed. But, don't get it twisted. The Bible said this first. This is not fresh content from Nick Saban. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23 says the same thing that Nick Saban says to his people every single day. Nick Saban says, Our default is that we are going to fall short of the standard if we don't stay focused. The Bible says, You're born a sinner. For all have sinned. There is no perfect. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. In the Bible, the glory of God is the standard. And every single human, other than Jesus Christ, is below the standard. In Nick Saban's football program, he set a standard of excellence. And he taught everybody inside that program that we need to fight to stay At the standard. Because every day we're being pulled away from it. So we need to help each other. It's a biblical idea. And it. (laughs) And it was effective. It was effective. Because the Bible. And biblical ideas. Are the source of all truth. In life. Listen to Proverbs 17. 14. Nope, wrong. Proverbs 17:24. Listen to Proverbs 17:24. The discerning sets his face toward wisdom, but the eyes of a fool are on the ends of the earth. The discerning sets his face toward wisdom, but the eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. So, Proverbs tells us that somebody who's discerning is setting his face towards wisdom. 
Well, what is wisdom? Only the Lord, only God the Father, Jesus Christ, His Son, and the Holy Spirit are a source of wisdom. So in order to be discerning with wisdom, we must set our eyes on the Lord. And look what the fool does. The eyes of the fool are on the ends of the earth. So the eyes of the discerning person are on the Lord, and the eyes of the fool are on the earth. Getting their ideas from other humans. Again, I don't know if Nick Saban believes in Jesus. I've never actually seen anything about what Nick Saban believes about God, about sin. I don't know. But I do know that from this article, the cornerstone of his program is setting a standard and making sure everybody knows that the default human setting is falling short of that standard and then setting things in place to address that. To make sure that people could uphold the standard and that they were being supported in upholding the standard. So I don't know if Nick Saban just really doesn't like failure and he knows people fail and he addresses it in a very humanistic way. But underlying that principle is a cornerstone idea from the Bible. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I have good news today. Jesus Christ is alive. Jesus Christ has fulfilled the requirements for sin to be forgiven. And his blood is powerful to cover sin. He has conquered sin and death. We can never reach God's standard on our own. We can never work hard enough. We can never hold each other accountable enough. We can never do enough good things to meet the standard. And this situation in life is a lot more serious than trying to hoist a trophy. Trophies will burn and melt in a fire. Everything that Nick Saban has accomplished at Alabama, if damage would happen to the building, a hurricane blows through, it's all done. Inconsequential. What the Bible's talking about in Romans 3.23 is an eternal situation. Forever. Those who believe and call on the name of the Lord will be saved. Jesus Christ's blood is the only thing that satisfies God's standard of holiness. And praise God, because Jesus is alive, when we recognize our sin and cry out for a Savior, Jesus stands ready to apply his blood to my life and your life and anybody who will call upon the name of the Lord. To save them. To meet God's standard forevermore. You don't have to meet it yourself. You can't. Nick Saban was very successful at getting his teams and coaching staffs and organization to meet the standard enough to win more than anybody ever has. 
They achieved their goal because it was achievable. Paying for your own sins? It's not achievable. So rest in the work that Jesus Christ has done on the cross through his resurrection. Look forward to the kingdom that's coming towards us that can't be shaken, that Jesus is bringing with him, that he will rule, that he's inviting people to join him inside of, a kingdom that will last forever. It will never be destroyed. And you can be part of it. If you don't know about this, and you're hearing this today, I invite you to send me an email, gibbs at profanleague.com. I would love to talk about this with you. Find a local church. Talk to a pastor. Find somebody who you know knows about Jesus. If they talk about Jesus a lot, ask them about the person of Jesus Christ and how he forgives sin. If it's been a while since you were in a local church and you used to be part of one, I encourage you to venture back. We do need each other. One of the pro-family principles is alone we die. Nick Saban, yeah, he's right. The team needs each other. We do need each other to walk in ways that honor God. We're not strong enough on our own. Another assistant said, Nick Saban consistently talked about consistency and performance. Consistency and performance. Setting a good process and then performing the plays that are put in front of you. Basically another form of Bill Belichick saying, do your job. But Nick Saban was amazing at identifying the heartbeat of a situation and addressing it. He was interested in the engine room of situations. Are you interested in getting into the engine room of situations in your life? In your own heart? What's going on? With the people around you and your family? Wives, husbands, kids, grandparents, parents. What's going on in the engine room? What's the heartbeat of the situation? Are you spending your time and communication on heartbeat situations? Or are you addressing peripheral conversations that are easier to deal with, but not actually the heartbeat of the situation? Winning requires discernment. Winning requires the skill to figure out what the heartbeat of a situation is and address it. Nick Saban is also a genius defensive football coach. Not only is he great at discerning the heartbeat of the situation in his program, his skills, his players' skills and abilities, his coaching staff's dispositions, but he was great at identifying the heartbeat of the opponent's strategy and addressing it directly. He was fantastic at saying, these are the one, two, or three things that the other team does excellently to win games and putting a game plan in place to solve it, and he was the master of halftime adjustments. Yeah, maybe his team 
would have a rough first half, but very rarely did they have a rough second half. Because Nick Saban was excellent in the area of discernment. He gives us a lot to think about. Simply put, one last time. How are you at getting to the heartbeat of the situation and addressing it directly? I have a feeling you're probably better than you like to admit at knowing what the heartbeat of a situation is. How is your courage? Let's pray to the Lord that we can have courage to jump into the heartbeat of the situation. And we'll cover this in communication. So winning requires discernment. First, knowing the heartbeat. And second, winning requires communication. So we've found the heartbeat of the situation. How do we communicate it effectively now and get everybody on the same page? Two parts. Over the weekend, I got to watch some of the NFL Pro Bowl festivities. So I am a huge fan of offensive linemen. The most impressive thing I saw at the Pro Bowl over the weekend was at the end of the obstacle course, the offensive lineman pushed weight. And the AFC team probably had a three-yard head start. And then Penai Sewell, the right tackle for the Detroit Lions from Oregon University, and Tristan Wirfs, the left tackle for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I believe Tristan went to Iowa. Those dudes... With Jason Kelsey on top of the weight, pushed that cart and blew by the AFC team. They probably had a two and a half to three yard head start on the AFC team, and these dudes put the jetpacks on and blew right by the AFC team and won won that competition for the NFC. And it was impressive. They also had to pull a two thousand pound wall, and again. Sewell and Wirfs like dominated the competition man I would totally wear a Penai Sewell jersey I believe that the start of the Detroit Lions turnaround as an organization was the day they drafted Penai Sewell I think he's that good I'm also going to give a couple thoughts here on the Super Bowl and the NFL draft I am increasingly committed to the idea that all the NFL draft coverage, so much of it is anchored, oh, the quarterbacks, the quarterbacks, got to find a quarterback, got to find a quarterback. You know what? I don't think it's true. I think it sells tickets. I think it makes media careers. You have to find a quarterback when your team is ready. You will not build a winner with a quarterback first. There's a hot take for you right here. Get it out there. You will not build a winner with a quarterback first. I believe it 100%. Got to change the tune. Teams that win championships know that the quarterback is the final piece, not the first piece. There we have it. You want my draft philosophy? There it is. Brad Gibbs, Lancaster Thunder, general manager, founder, owner. The quarterback is the last piece, not the first piece. 
So, we have all this draft coverage built around finding the quarterback. In the NFL, if you build your organization trying to find the quarterback as the first piece of the rebuild, you're going to be jobless. The statistics bear it out. Look at how many first-round quarterbacks don't work out. The majority. I don't have a number for you today. I'm telling you, if you go look at it, the majority of first-round quarterbacks don't work out. And it's because people draft quarterbacks as the first piece of the rebuild. Take a lesson from the Detroit Lions and Penn I. Sewell. The first piece of the rebuild is your defensive and offensive lines. The last piece of the rebuild is the quarterback. Look at how it worked out for the Chiefs. They had Alex Smith. They were already winning football games before Patrick Mahomes showed up. Patrick Mahomes was the final piece of an already winning structure. And he put them over the top. This is how you win football games. You heard it here. Quarterbacks are the final piece, not the first piece. We gotta stop it. Gotta stop it. If you want to win games, stop trying to make the quarterback the first piece of your draft process. And other thoughts. I wish Tyreek Hill still played for the Kansas City Chiefs. I know. He doesn't. He's in Miami. I would love to see him still on the Kansas City Chiefs. And Eric Bieniemy just got fired by Washington. Do you think he regrets leaving Kansas City to go to Washington? He could be coaching in the Super Bowl again. But instead, he went out there and tried to do his own thing. Didn't work out. You know why? Because the Washington football program is not a good football program. The Kansas City football program is a good football program. You You can't do it on your own. And this goes to any sport. Basketball, football. I'd never seen Andy Reid in a suit, I don't think. But coming off the plane, he was wearing a dapper pinstripe. Looked good. Over the weekend, Bradley Beal of the Phoenix Suns dropped 43 on his old team, the Washington Wizards. But what was more interesting, I want to talk about this briefly. So Bradley Beal has a neck tattoo. It's a lot of neck tattoos. I'm, I'm seeing more and more neck tattoos. I'm not here to... I'm not coming at people who have neck tattoos. I'm truly interested. Like, how much did it hurt to get a neck tattoo? Seems incredibly painful. And, like, when they're around your jugular with, like, the needle, do you feel nervous? Like, man, what if this guy slices me? What if this woman slices me? The phenomenon of the neck tattoo. I am... If you have a neck tattoo, if someone has a neck tattoo, can can you send me an email? Like, how much did it hurt? What was that experience like? I'm truly intrigued. Justin Bieber coached Team Matthews at the All-Star Game, the NHL All-Star Game this weekend. And he was wearing this jacket that looked like it came right from the Teletubby Authentic collection. It's like this huge pink jacket with huge pink polka dots. It was eye-popping. It was so so glaring, like, so wow, that I think it dominated All-Star Weekend. It it was flabbergasting. 
So that's my thoughts about the NHL All-Star game. Justin Bieber's jacket. I would love to know how he makes his fashion choices. If, if anybody knows Justin Bieber, tell him I would like to know about his fashion choices. Like, where does he even go to find that jacket? Connor McDavid made an uh, amazing last-second goal in the, in the semifinals. Nathan McKinnon scored a goal in that game, in the NHL All-Star game, where he just, like, flipped the puck over top of a goalie just under the top crossbar. Lit the lamp. I mean, incredible skill. The Bean Pot Tournament is currently taking place in Boston. So the Bean Pot Tournament is a college hockey tournament where the four major U.S. college hockey teams in Boston play each other. And last night, Gunner Wolf Fontaine sent Northeastern to its sixth straight final appearance in the Bean Pot Tournament. I'm not going to talk about the Bean Pot Tournament much. I just want to talk about Gunner Wolf Fontaine. He sounds like a kid that the Mighty Ducks would have had added to their team just in time to win a championship in all those Disney Mighty Ducks movies. Gunner Wolf Fontaine. I don't know that I've ever heard a more hockey name than Gunner Wolf Fontaine. The Pro Fan League YouTube channel is up and running. Find it at Pro Fan League. Search YouTube Pro Fan League. Please subscribe. Tell your friends about it. It is a it is a channel that's having three and a half ish minute videos. Three for three. I talk about sports, talk about Jesus, talk about a business career idea. And it's really just meant to be a quick encouragement at the beginning of your day. Something to something to juice you up, to get you ready to go make plays. So check it out if you haven't. Visit us at profanleague.com. Please give this show a a five-star review. I'm excited to report that now we have collected a listen from Mexico, England, and Japan. So if you were from one of those countries and you listened to Pro Fan League, welcome. Thank you. Thanks to all of you who listen. I'm cheering for you. Go make plays. We are not just fans. Have a great day. I look forward to talking to you on Friday.